Welcome to the Intelligence Network Podcast. My name is Scott Keir at BAE Systems, and I am joined today with, by Gregory Coleman, a former FBI agent who investigated the Jordan Belfort case, which was later portrayed in the movie The Wolf of Wall Street. Hello, Mr. Coleman. Thank you for spending time with us today. Can you please introduce yourself and give a brief overview of your history? Hi, Scott. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Sure, I'd be happy to. I'm a former FBI agent, retired, retired in January of 2015 after just short of 26 years at the FBI, working almost in my entire career in the New York office. My specialty was white-collar crime, and my subcategory within white-collar crime was securities fraud and money laundering. So I spent the bulk of my career basically chasing money through the world. How would you describe the current regulatory landscape? That's an interesting question. I, I think it's in a state of change. I think the financial industry has been weighed down for a number of years with really some pretty onerous regulations. I think they're important after the financial crisis they came into being. But I think the pendulum swung just a little bit too far. And I don't think it's necessarily that financial institutions don't want to follow the rules and regulations. It's just that there are so many rules and regulations being thrown at them, they have difficulty keeping up with it. And I think in some cases that that quantity of rules and regulations is ultimately what leads them to get into trouble because they miss portions of it. They don't follow portions of it. And so I think under certainly the, the current regulatory climate, those rules and regulations are being lifted. It's not as onerous as it was at one time. And I think that's a welcome uh, event for the financial industry. I think they're happy about that. At least that's what I hear from the contacts that I have within the financial community. So it's definitely in a state of change. Um, I think, of course, the concern is always if the pendulum again swings too far back to less regulation and we have the excesses that we have that led to the financial crisis in 2008, um, then it'll be a problem again. But it's just a question of whether or not financial institutions, if we can regulate the quantity of these rules and regulations that is both good for the government, is good for the public, protects the public, but also prevents business from really getting themselves into difficult situations. And another financial crisis, of course, to prevent that. How do regulators play a role in what financial institutions are focusing on? I think the first way that they play a role is through their pronouncements, through their, their rulemaking abilities. They send the information out through announcements and um, uh, through publications. That's the primary way. I, I think there is also communication that goes on during exams. When they go into financial institutions to conduct their exams, I think there should be good communication back and forth. There should be clear expectations of what the regulators expect from the financial institution. I also think, of course, they send very strong messages through fines, fines that they levy for conduct which is outside the parameters of what they accept. And, and so I think a combination of those things, the, the published pronouncements, the communication during exams, and then ultimately um, when you sort of breach those 
um, requirements, the levying of fines and the and the the institution of fines against the individuals or the institution is really a clear way that they communicate what it is that they want. Yeah, yeah, and as we've seen, those those uh, those fines can be quite hefty, and sometimes it's the uh, you know the reputational damage that, that that's in, incurred upon that bank or financial institution that uh, is that uh, really puts them at harm. It, that's true, and it's it's, it's interesting um, if you look back. It wasn't that long ago in history where some of these financial scandals would have put the financial institution out of business. For example, Solomon Brothers, one of the traders, many years ago tried to corner the bonds, the Treasury bond market. Solomon Brothers is gone; they don't exist anymore. Um, Michael Milken, of course, with Drexel Burnham, they tried to to corner the junk bond market and manipulate those. They're gone. They're out of business. But yet, I mean, big major banks are getting hit with billion-dollar fines, and they're being allowed to stay in business. The question becomes, is it because they are too big to fail? I mean, after the financial crisis, what really happened was a consolidation in the financial industry. So now, instead of having many small institutions, we've actually created a smaller number of very big institutions. And it seems that the fines um, just keep going up and up and up. I think part of the problem that leads to these big fines is um, it's a combination of things. It's a, it's a corporate culture. The tone has to be set from the top that we will be compliant. We will follow the rules to the best of our abilities. Mm -hmm. um, and we will invest in, in human capital and, and other infrastructure to meet these requirements that we have to meet. I don't think financial institutions can continue to put off or delay or even ignore some of the requirements that the regulators are, are putting in place. I think it just it has to be done, but there's always a cost with that, and that's always the, the constant battle between institutions and regulators. Yeah, yep, I agree. Um, We've, re we've seen recent guidance from FinCEN on cyber reporting. Uh, do you see other regulatory bodies globally or divisions within the U.S. government, uh, for example, the OCC and uh, NYDFS, also looking at similar guidance? Yes, I think cyber is one of the hottest topics out there. And I don't think the... I don't think the verdict is in on exactly how this thing will play out at the end. I think it's still something that is growing and morphing into something ultimately that would be very different than what it is right now. FinCEN has sort of taken a lead on that. And if you look at the FinCEN guidance, I think the things that they're recommending are all basically pretty reasonable recommendations. For example, they, they talk, one of the aspects of it talks about suspicious activity reporting and when cyber events should be reported. Mm -hmm. I think the government needs to step in and create some hard and fast guidelines because otherwise, and I've seen this trend before in other things, institutions fear reporting cyber events. They know the effect it may have on their stock price. They know the effect it may have on morale at the company. And for other reasons, they don't want the world to know that they're vulnerable. But not letting the government know is different than not letting the world know. And I think the government should know because the government is in a position to coordinate efforts to really protect the cyberspace. I mean, through all across the board for all financial institutions. So the reporting of SARS for cyber events, I think, is is a mandatory minimum, at a very minimum. Mm -hmm. There should be guidelines, and FinCEN is trying to help regulate that. There is um, 
other guidance from FinCEN that specifically spells out the type of information that the government needs in order to go forward with, for example, an investigation of an intrusion. Mm -hmm. For example, the internet protocol addresses, the timestamps, the, the virtual wallet information, the type of device, that's all information, that's the raw information that an investigator needs to take a SAR and possibly make it into a criminal investigation or even a counterintelligence mm -hmm. investigation, depending on if it's a state actor. Uh, the collaboration between BSA and anti-money laundering units and the cyber units, there has to be communication. They work together. Um, for example, there was a bank in New York that has a charity road race event, a running event every year. And a number of years back, there was an intrusion into the event, the running event, the website related to the event. And it was from that event you know, it's a marathon. Mm -hmm. It was from that event that the hackers then got into the bank itself. So they actually found the back door because the people who worked at the bank were also working on the, the charity event, the, the marathon. And so they were communicating through the computers and anywhere you have that link. And in this case, it was a financial institution to the charity. The hackers went into the charity and from the charity got into the bank. So now you have a financial institution you have cyber hacking. Um, those units within the bank went to work on this and ultimately working together, worked backwards to find out where the hack was coming from. There has to be a sharing in-house is the bottom line. Yeah. There has to be. Also, a sharing of information among financial institutions. Under the current uh, money laundering regulations, 314B, Section 314B, the, um, it, it, there's a safe harbor that allows banks to share information when it's anti-money laundering or the financing of terrorism related. And there needs to be a similar carve-out for cyber. There, there just has mm -hmm. to be. And I think in some ways it's even more critical than for anti-money laundering. Um, and I think you will see that coming, that there will be a carve-out, a safe harbor made for the sharing of cyber information among institutions so that when one institution is breached and they have information on the Internet protocol addresses or other cyber-related information, that not only will they be required to share it with the government, but they have the ability to legally and be protected legally to share it with other institutions to prevent them. Because the one thing is always true, criminals seek the path of least resistance. And if they've found a way into one institution, they'll exploit the same entrance methods, or they'll at least seek the same methods yep. through other institutions. They're going to replicate that, that They'll model try, exactly. And do it just at another place. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Well, finally, one last question. There's a, a lot of buzz in the technology space around machine learning and artificial intelligence. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's coming. I think it is the area where the most money, time, and investment is being made. Um, I think financial institutions are sort of downgrading their uh, human capital. In other words, the, the big anti-money laundering problem, the problem popped up and the response from most financial institutions was to throw as many people, create this big uh, room or building full of people and throw these people at the problem and try and get the problem solved quickly. There's a point of diminishing marginal returns when you do that, though. You can add more people, but you can't really 
prevent more of the percentage wise of the problems. Right. I think this artificial intelligence is interesting. Uh, my opinion is at the end of the day, you will be merging old technology with new technology. And here's what I mean by that. Artificial intelligence is clearly the new technology. It's the wave of the future. It still has a way to go, um, a ways to go, but I, I think it's here to stay. Um, but I think it works best when you have old technology and the old technology are human beings. My philosophy is this, especially as it relates to anti-money laundering. Banks and financial institutions in particular are spending millions of dollars on artificial intelligence and other computer systems to weed through millions of transactions right. looking for those that may be harmful. But you can't forget if you never let the poor transaction, the bad transaction into the financial system. In other words, if your KYC, your Know Your Customer program is strong, you'll never open up that account. And I say never, but never is really not the standard that can ever be met. I mean, you can't prevent every bad transaction right. from ever entering your financial institution. And any regulator who seeks that level of compliance is not being realistic and, and not being reasonable. But I think many of the transactions can be prevented from ever entering the system if the old technology, meaning ask the questions, find out who your customer is, find out how they operate, find out about their financial resources, the source of their funds, the source of their management, all of the basic KYC old school information in conjunction with the artificial intelligence that, that can dig through billions of transactions in what someday will be nanoseconds. I think the combination of those two will be a very strong protection for the financial systems. I do too, I agree. Gregory, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate the insights you've given to us on, on, these, uh, on these current market conditions and, and uh, how, uh, you know, your viewpoint on it. That's very, very, is, very viable. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.